Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to the first of four classes called Unity to All Things. What a strange title. It's all about the church, and I'll explain that as we get into Ephesians chapter 1 in a moment. Four classes about why we gather as a church, and I think this is a great time to do this. We're coming out of lockdown, and it's time for us to reboot our thinking about why we gather. We've been not gathering for about 12 months. Now we're beginning to gather in our homes, gardens, parks, wherever we are, soon in our old venues perhaps. And it's important that we reflect on what God has been teaching us, where he's helped us become stronger, where we've been maintained in our faith and activities, and where we become a little weaker. And the best way to do that, I think, is to look at the Bible and look at the uh, teaching about the early church and what the Bible reveals about church to help us to reboot our thinking so that we don't just go back into a repeat of what we've always done. It surely wouldn't be honouring to God and what he's taught us over the last 12 months if all we did now when we meet back together and say, oh, isn't it great we're back together and just, just carry on like we used to. That would not be appropriate because God has been teaching us things about what it means to gather. So as we discuss what it means. We need to use scripture to help us to filter out what's just our preferences as opposed to what it is that God's actually been teaching us. So these classes are going to be short and each one focused on a, a fairly narrow area. This week we're going to be talking about who the church is for basically. Next week we'll talk about what Sundays are all about. The third time we'll be looking at the Lord's Supper and the fourth class I haven't finalized but I think it's going to be something along the lines of how our gathering together as a congregation helps us with the mission that God has given us. And even little thought about, hmm, what is that mission? But if you've got any other thoughts of your own that you think would be helpful to put in any of these classes, do let me know. So let's begin where we need, really ought to begin, which is on the uh, often called the birthday of the church in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Let's talk about the Spirit before we talk about anything else. The Spirit is what Jesus tells them to wait for in Acts chapter 1, where he says, wait until the Spirit comes. In other words, the church is nothing without the power of the Spirit. More on that later. And uh, he promises that power to come. Indeed, it does come. Peter jumps up with the power of the Spirit, preaches that first, you could say, Christian sermon. And 3,000 people respond. They're baptized that day. And how do they respond to the, the knowledge of who the Messiah is, his lordship, uh, their own forgiveness and the presence of the Spirit that, that God has finally gathered his people in a way that he always had a, a gathered people Israel were his gathered people but he's now gathered them with the power of the spirit what's the difference between that gathering of Israel and now this gathering by the power of the spirit what is their response and we know Acts 2 42 to 47 such an inspiring passage they devote themselves to the apostles teaching breaking of bread prayer fellowship they are filled with all many wonders and signs they, the believers are all together uh, having everything in common, selling property, possessions, giving to anyone as they had need, every day meeting together in the temple courts, breaking bread in homes, eating together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favour of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is a spirit-filled assembly of God's people. Isn't this what we want to be? Even if it's not the, the same detail, because uh, this isn't a blueprint like we need to stamp this on all of our meetings exactly but it is an inspiring example of what happens when God's spirit comes into God's people not just individually but when they gather and so with this vision in mind let's look at some aspects of who the church is for that I then hope we can discuss and reflect on in our in our local groups to help us to understand why we're gathering and what this is all about so firstly who does the church belong to Ephesians chapter 1 most I tell you what, if you want, by the way, 
a really inspiring Bible study about church, have a look at Ephesians 1. Uh, sorry, the book of Ephesians in general. It, it's just one of the best books to study about church. Anyway, in Ephesians 1 verse 7, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. He's talking about now, these times of fulfillment, Acts 2. For what purpose? The final phrase of verse 10, so important. To bring unity to all things. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. There is such profundity in that last phrase. To bring unity in all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Do you see what is going on here? So the answer to the question, who does the church belong to? It belongs to God. It's God's idea. It's not my idea. It's not some bishop's idea. It's not some church uh, uh, father's idea. It is God's idea. God gathers his people. He always had a gathered people Israel. Now he has this new Israel gathered. And the purpose of the gathering is to unite all things in heaven and on earth, all the things in the heavenlies, all the things in the earthlies, to unite them, to bring them back together under Christ. This is his goal. His goal for you and me is not that we have a nice religious experience when we gather, though that might be nice and okay. It's not that we just see each other as old friends. It's to unite all things, all the things that are broken, all the things that are, that are, are, are damaged, all the things that are ill, all the things that are sick in our world are united the heavenlies and the earthlies united under Christ as his people gather together, becoming one people. And we'll talk more about this later. But this is intense. This is incredible. This is so inspiring. This is why we're together. This is why we gather. It's God's idea. It's not about a building, whether we're in a park, in a, in a garden, in a house, in a tent, in a marquee, or, or in a school building. The word, of course, for church in the Greek is ecclesia, which doesn't mean building. It means gathering. It means assembly. It means congregation. That's all, it's, that's all it is. You probably know in the, for, in the early days of the church, there were no church, purpose-built church buildings. They met in homes. We don't have a record of a purpose-built church building. I think it's at least 300 and something AD. Maybe some other dwellings were adapted, but the point is not about a building. The point is about God gathering people. And wherever that is, that's God's gathered people, his ecclesia, his assembled. God, you could say, is churching us. In a way, church is a verb more than a noun or an event. A church service, what does that mean? It's just a phrase we use, isn't it? But we are gathered. We are a gathered people. I've recently stopped talking to the Watford Church about having a church service, but having a gathering. We're gathering on Sunday. We're assembling on Sunday. And it's, it's just a word. But to me, it makes a difference to the way I think about it. I'm not going to an event. I'm gathering. You know when you have a family gathering? It's not a meeting, is it? You don't have a meeting for your, your auntie's 60th birthday. You have a gathering. You, you, you assemble together. You come together as a family. It's not a meeting. And some aspects of our gatherings are a bit meeting-like, and that's okay, but it's, that's not the point. God is churching you and I. He's churching us so the world can see that there is hope for all that is broken. All things in the heavenlies and the earthlies can be united under Christ. But that will only be visible to this world if we come together under God. It's his idea. So what does it mean for your gatherings 
that, it, that the church belongs to God. Secondly, what is the church's focus? Well, again, back in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, it says this, God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, under the feet of Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What is the church? What is the focus of the church? The focus of the church is Jesus. We are his body, his body. Therefore, he's our head, of course. Colossians talks about that. And he is our focus. When we gather here, yes, it's God's idea, but Jesus is our focus when we come together because this is how God is going to unify all things under Christ. So that's why we gather. We gather to honor Jesus and to make him visible. Now, denominational tendencies over the centuries have tended to emphasize different aspects of Christendom. Most of Protestantism, I should, I could say, has tended, on not all at all times, of course, but there is a tendency in Protestantism to sometimes elevate the Bible even over Jesus. How many sermons have you heard where the Bible's been taught, but Jesus hasn't really been talked about? Perhaps even in the prayers, it wasn't so much about Jesus, or perhaps in the readings, it wasn't so much about Jesus. Even in the fellowship, was there much about Jesus, or was it more about the Bible lesson or the sermon? And of course, this is powerful and, and it's God's word and it's the word of Jesus. And so I'm not trying to say this isn't significant, but sometimes we tend to come out of this tradition in some ways. Sometimes the, the, the preaching and teaching can be more significant than Jesus. Jesus has got to be more important even than the preaching. Some other uh, traditions like Catholicism tend to sometimes emphasize, say, Mary or tradition over Jesus. And Jesus loses that focus because of the emphasis on tradition or in the more charismatic and Pentecostal traditions sometimes the emphasis on the spirit which is so important and so neglected by many other traditions let's face it but sometimes the focus on the spirit can obscure Jesus when of course the spirit points towards Jesus really what's our tendency or perhaps even in your own group what's your tendency what is the most likely thing in your gathering to eclipse Jesus, to get between Jesus and, and your gathering. What, what's most likely to come in there? Is it just you like hanging out and having a fun time? Nothing wrong with that, but is that getting in the way? Is it all the talk about relationships or is it the Bible itself? Or is it, uh, is it the singing? Is it the prayer? Is it more of an emphasis on spirit or more of an emphasis on, on love? And, and don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, emphasizing love and grace are awesome. But, but is it about Jesus's love and Jesus's grace as opposed to just we need to have more grace or we need to have more love? Or Anyway, I think you get the point. Think about your own gathering. What is your tendency? Thirdly, the power. Who is the power of the church? Well, going back to Ephesians chapter one again and verse 13, he says this about the spirit. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. It's the spirit that's the power in the church, isn't it? I mean, that passage makes it clear, but also the book of Acts, just again, the Acts of the Apostles, perhaps also ought to be really titled the Acts of the Spirit. Look at the book of Acts. It's the, it's the Spirit which is the power, the strength 
of the church. In other words, the strength of the church is not in the intelligence level of its members. It's not in the material wealth of its members. It's not in the spiritual longevity of its members. It's not in its resources of gifts. It's not in, I don't, I don't know, you make your own list. The power of the church is the spirit. So the question for our gatherings is how can we, how can we ensure the best of our ability that when we're gathering, we are gathering in the power of the spirit. I'll give you one clue that I think personally matters to me, which is having good devotional personal times with God before I go and gather with my friends under God. If I'm going there empty of spiritual fulfillment, spiritual strength, it's not right to depend upon everybody else to fill me up. Although that does, it's okay for that to happen occasionally. But I'm talking here about our habits. I think, I mean, this is a side point, but I'm just going to tell you this because for free. I have a theory, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I reckon the Sunday morning quiet time, we call them, right? Quiet times, devotional times. I have a theory that our Sunday morning devotional times, our Sunday morning quiet times, might be the most important quiet times of the week. We might tend to think it's Monday morning before I go back out there and face the world. Maybe. You might think it's the end of the week when we just, oh, we just really, we're, we need the strength to get through towards the end of the week. Maybe. But I wonder whether, because of the significance of gathering together, whether actually that Sunday morning time of personal connection with God helps us to then when we come together to make sure that our gathering is in the power of the Spirit. What would it be like if we were all filled with the power of the Spirit before we walked in the building, before we had our first conversation, before we had the first prayer, before we had the first song? What would it do to our gatherings if that was the case? So the power is in the Spirit. What does that mean for your gathering? And finally, who are we? Who are we? Who are you and I here? The church belongs to God. It's his idea. Its uh, focus is Jesus. Its power is the Spirit. But who are we? Well, one of my favorite passages about this is 1 Peter chapter 2. There's more in Ephesians chapter 2 as well, actually, about being uh, the, um, uh, the dwelling, the dwelling joined together and rising to become a holy temple. There's that passage. But I like 1 Peter 2 verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Who are we? We're a people. We're an assembly. We're a nation. We're, a, we're family. Ultimately, uh, Galatians 6 verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The Bible describes us as a family, brothers and sisters. We're a family. So what are we doing when we gather together? We're gathering with our family, with our nation, with our people, with our assembled brothers and sisters. And why do we do this? Because together we make Jesus more visible to the world than when we're on our own. I have some bits of Christ-likeness. I hope I will have more, but I will never have all of them. But together with you, you and me and the rest of us, we represent Jesus more fully to this world when we gather. That's who we are. So what does it mean for your gatherings that you are a people, that you are priests, that you are a holy nation, that you are an assembled people, that you are family? How would that change your gatherings 
as you reflect on that. So just to wrap up, just to wrap up, let me bring you a thought from uh, John 17. Famous passage. Jesus, in his prayer there, says to the Father, I've, I've given them, his disciples, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. See that word unity there that we also saw in Ephesians chapter 1. This is what God wants to do, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is what Jesus prays for in John 17. This complete unity, this gathered, gathering together in harmony. Then the world will know. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Then the world will know. The world will know when we are unif when we're unified. The world will know that it's Jesus that's gathering them, that's calling them, that it's God calling them in Christ. The quality of our gatherings really matters. Uh, I'm not talking about perfection here, no pressure, right? Doesn't, nothing has to be perfect. But if we don't gather, if we gather without reflecting on why we're gathering, it, it's unlikely that we're going to represent Jesus to this world well. We gather because the church, the assembly belongs to God. We gather so that Jesus can be highlighted. He can be our focus. We gather so that uh, we can allow the spirit to do his work in us and through us so that we can be unified as one people, as a family, that's such that the world will know, the world will be drawn, and we'll see what happens in Acts 2. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So, next time, we're going to talk about Sundays. But let me ask you to reflect on what it means for your gatherings, on the, that the church belongs to God, that its focus is Jesus, that the power is in the Spirit, and we are family and God's people. And here's an exercise you might like to do that I did with a couple of groups they found useful. Is you might like to ask these three questions so you know where you're coming from right now for, for this discussion to be fruitful. Firstly, what have you gained in the last 12 months? Over the last 12 months, what's gone better than ever before? What's stronger and grown better than ever before? I think you'll find it interesting to reflect on that. Some things, even through the pandemic, are actually better in terms of our gatherings online than ever before. Second question, what has your group managed to maintain in the last 12 months? What's gone well? What's stayed healthy? It might not have got stronger or better, but it's certainly been maintained. Have a discussion about that. And then thirdly, have a conversation about what, what have we lost in the last 12 months? What's become, what's become weaker? And what does that mean? I think you might find that a fruitful conversation to have as a group. What have we gained? What have we maintained? And what's, uh, what's been lost? I'm going to put some reading materials on my website. There'll be a link to that. Some books that have helped me with thinking about these things. And if you've got any thoughts, do let me know. I would really value your input for the next few classes. I'll be recording the next one next week. Our gatherings really do matter. They are, perhaps they're more important than we think. Perhaps they're more significant than we think. Certainly they need a rethink, maybe even a reboot. So until the next time, let's pray that our gatherings are part of the way in which God brings unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Take care and God bless.